This is a Soulfire production. Yay, I'm so excited for you guys to meet my friend Erin Coop today. She is quite the dynamic woman. We met through a mutual friend, Jessica Zweig, who's been on the show. And the moment I met her, we just clicked. It was like, okay, she's in real estate. She's got an awesome husband. She's got some amazing kids. You wouldn't even know it. You're like, wait, you're a bomb. Like she's got so much going on and just, she's gritty. She's a hustler, but she's also super mindful. And she has gone on a personal transformation journey that has led her out of corporate America and into building her own entity, her own company where she has workshops. She has she speaks inside of corporate offices. She does a bunch of stuff remotely. She's about to launch programs in January that we'll talk about, but she's a super dynamic woman an incredible mother, an amazing wife and an awesome friend and a great, great business leader. And she's really made a, a big mark in corporate America and now in the outer space of mindfulness. So I'm really excited for you guys to hear from her because I feel like a lot of you guys can relate to her journey and making that leap. And some of you guys might be on the edge of, gosh, I don't know if I like what I'm doing. And I just feel super out of alignment. And I think Aaron's story is going to be super inspiring for you guys. So Aaron, thanks for being here today. Thanks for having <laughs> me. So excited to be here. Yes. Yeah, so why don't you just start by telling us a little bit about you, your story. Sure. Yeah. That's a loaded loaded (laughs) question. I know. I know. It's so open-ended. Yes. Well, I, you know, I want to, I want to speak from the heart and what will, um, really probably add the most value to your listeners. And, uh, the key thing is that, you know, I think when people see me or they see my, my career, uh, trajectory in the last 17 years, uh, which entailed Goldman Sachs and CBRE, you know, these really big global corporations, um, you know, it might look like I was spoon fed or that I had a, a career path sort of laid out for me. And, you know, I was, I was cut from a cloth that I actually wasn't. Well, reality is I was raised in poverty. Uh, my dad was uh, terminally ill and paralyzed from the waist down since I was five years old. So what that meant was a life full of turmoil as, as a child. And, the, you know, the amount of perseverance that it took to get through that level of adversity and not only get through it and, and live through it and survive it, but then to actually realize innately that I have the power within me to truly build a life that I want, to truly create a life that is meaningful and purposeful for myself. Now, mind you, yes, I put myself through college. Yes, I moved to New York City when I was 22, you know, worked for those corporations, moved to Chicago, you know, in 2009 with my husband, you know, then boyfriend. Um, All of those things, all of those decisions were a part of my path. But don't for a second think I didn't get lost along the way. I wasn't making the right decisions all of the time. I wasn't making the best decisions. I was making decisions from a place of wounded ego and from a side of myself that got caught up in the external world for some time. I made decisions like saying yes to Goldman Sachs when I was recruited from a smaller technology company I loved. I said yes to them because the wounded side of myself thought, well, gosh, here's my my meal ticket. This is the way that I can earn a lot of money. This is the way that I can grow, you know, a title and a name for myself. In reality, it just disconnected me from my soul and from my authentic self. And so, you know, that learning process, I left there when I was 30. So this is going back nine years ago, but the last nine years have been transformational. Walking away from that wounded side of myself was huge. Starting to say yes to parts of myself that 
I didn't really know before or I didn't explore uh, was really a, an integral part of this process for me and getting to know myself in ways that, you know, I never knew myself. Um, being more open to new people and new relationships and friendships and synchronicities in life in ways that I never knew possible. A lot has changed in my, my last four years, a lot. And you've been a part of that. You've seen it. Yes, I, I have. And it's been so amazing to witness and how bold you've been because you've never been a victim to your life or your circumstances. No one would ever know where you came from, right? Because you've always been a winner. You've always co-created your life. What was the turning point for you? Was it at Goldman where you were like, I'm sick or were you, did you get sick? What happened? Yeah, I had many physiological responses to the amount of stress and anxiety okay. that I was dealing with on a daily basis. I mean, those were 14 hour minimum days. Um, and I was there for a little over six years, but um, I had things going on where I would faint in elevators. I had really bad migraine headaches several times a month where I could hardly see straight. Um, I had, you know, days where, for example, on Fridays, I had one-to-one -one meetings with a boss that I had that was awful at the time. Unfortunately, she was female. I wish it was a man because it bothers me so much that, that she treated the younger women so poorly. Well, even women could be operating from a wounded masculine. Absolutely. You know? And and now I know that's what that was, right? And I've forgiven, forgiven her, you know, um, <laughs> telepathically for that. But it definitely was one of those things where um, that environment was absolutely everything against what my soul wanted. Mm. It just was not, it, I didn't feel free. I didn't feel like myself. And so that was pivotal. Now leaving there was even more pivotal yeah. because walking away there was so much judgment placed on me. And I really started to see um, sort of the, the skewed perspectives that people have in our society mm -hmm. on why would you leave a place like that? Why would you leave a role like that? Don't you earn X amount of money? And how could you say no to that? And, you know, almost as if I was wrong for not feeling like that was my home. Right. Right. Um, and yeah, and then, you know, from there, there were definitely different career decisions before I started my own company. Mm -hmm. And and there's a lot to that. But really what it meant was just starting to say yes to myself more often, rather than believe that I had to live up to some sort of expectation or societal norm. Yeah, that's super beautiful and so relatable. And I think where a lot of people probably are right now, like, what am I willing to say yes to? What really is fulfilling at this point? What was I doing for external validation? So very, very cool that you made this transition over a year ago. Um, what have been some of the tools that have supported you in that transition? Because a lot of people might be in that place. Yeah, you know, a big part of it, I would say, so going back a few years, I started to use my voice in ways that I historically had not. So I've always loved to write. And um, I was someone who took a lot of philosophy classes and literature classes because I really liked learning in that way and sort of challenging myself to think a little bit differently. And at the same time, putting my thoughts on paper. And when I started to first write, I was posting articles on LinkedIn. And this mm -hmm. is, this is again, so going good. back about three years. Such a good writer. <laughs> Thank you. But I was sharing about topics that are, were really affecting people in the professional world. Mm -hmm. And what happened was that the topics and the stories that I was writing about were really relatable with people because everyone felt what I was expressing at some point in their career, whether or not it was right then, or it was five years before or 15 years before, the feedback was like, wow, like 
thank you for finally articulating what I've been thinking and what I've been feeling. And there was really something to that, right? Because all of a sudden I realized, wow, like my voice is heard, first of all, and that it actually is serving serving a purpose. Mm -hmm. I'm not just putting something out there just to put it out there. It's serving a purpose, you know, to resonate with people, to help them understand that they are seen, that they are heard and they're connected in this way. And so I then started to share, um, via speaking engagements at companies and various entrepreneurs and leaders that were running companies in Chicago were reaching out and saying, Aaron, can you come and talk to our employees about these things? Because they're very inspiring. And that, that right there, I think is the biggest tool was just using my voice in a way that I had not used it before. And then along with that came a lot of introspection. And I, I absolutely owe this part of my journey and where I am now to the hard, deep self-work that I did on myself. Because I truly believe once you're on a path of inner work, it becomes very clear to you who's done the work and who hasn't done the work. And I look at so many wonderful leaders and executives out there that I know in my network that have done some sort of immersive experience or some introspection or something where they've been exposed to what it means to do work on yourself. And that can be through meditation and through journaling and through mindfulness practices. There's various aspects of it. But those that have and that lead teams and lead companies from a place of their own self-leadership or leadership from within, it just exudes uh, attraction. It exudes, um, it's contagious. It exudes what other people want to be more like. And they want to know more about it because they want to do it too. And that is a key factor, doing the work on ourselves in order to get ourselves to a place where we are truly leading authentically. Awesome. And as you've been starting to speak in corporate America, do you feel like this is something that they're starting to bring in to offices? It's becoming more mainstream. So funny you say that because when I launched the company officially in February, Mm -hmm. it was pre-pandemic. So I already knew that mental and emotional well-being is a really big topic. I already knew how crucial it is to people feeling that they're fulfilled in their work, let alone their lives. And I had already seen how much people show up at work as just a fraction of who they really are. You know, people were so compartmentalized. So what the pandemic has done is not only has it taken what I already knew and amplified that because now everyone sees how important emotional and mental well-being really are, but it's also blended personal and professional work and life. And so if you think about that- They are one and the same. Your kids are in the background of Zoom. And they never needed to be separate. Totally. And that I think is the key of what's happening in this, in this pandemic and why people are more open to bringing this stuff into corporations. And if I, if it were my way all along, it would have been a part of our training in corporate America. It would have never been any different, but because the system has been so archaic for so long, this is the shift. This is the opportunity to change it. And for us as entrepreneurs, as business leaders, as executives, it's up to us and it's our responsibility to bring it into people, to give them the tools, to allow them and give them permission to be authentic in the workplace. And by the way, to give the training and, you know, and, uh, and techniques that people need 
to really excel in their life, not just their work. hundred percent. So there's a lot of things that you do in companies and online. Can you just give us a touch? So I know one of the things that you talk about is enriching your well-being through mindfulness. Mm -hmm. And I think everyone on the line gets that and practices that, but what are some of your specific tools you teach when you, when you speak on that? Yeah, that's been actually like the, the main speaking engagement that I've been brought on board, you know, to virtually deliver, um, to companies of five people up to 600 people so far. And what I love about that, um, the material that I created for that is that it's very vulnerable. So I really give people a lot of real life, uh, stories and experiences that, that again, are very relatable because I've lived all of it. You know, I didn't wake up one day as a mindful expert. Like, no, it, it was quite the opposite. And so experientially helping people understand sort of where it's okay to be here and then to grow to a different spot. And it's okay to have troubles along the way. So in um, a speaking engagement like that, I go through tools like uh, self-care practices. And so how important it is to give yourself a break and sort of some tools to use, you know, if you're more of a type A personality, for example, how do you schedule your day accordingly? If you wake up and you check in with yourself physically and mentally and emotionally, and you feel drained or tired or stressed the moment you wake up, you're going to need a little bit more space that day. You're going to need to take a little bit more of a break that day. And also to think about what could bring you some joy in your day. You know, so tools like that, that aren't, they're not necessarily front of mind. You know, most of the time we wake up and we just get going. We just do, 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 because that's all we know how to do, right? So it's taking a pause, being more present, really focusing inward on what do I need right now? And by the way, not feeling one bit selfish about that because it's selfish for society to make you think that that's selfish to put yourself first, but it's not. Um, so, so keys like that. And then also techniques like journaling. I love journaling because what it allows you to do is get rid of these free flow thoughts that are in your head that by the way, you are not your thoughts. So just get them on paper and let them go. They're there if you need to go back to them. So if it happens to be a to-do list, fine, so be it. If it happens to be some philosophical thought that wants to come through, great. If it happens to be something negative about how much your kids frustrated you that day, which that's a lot of my journaling, fine. Like it doesn't have to be anything special or particular, but just get it out and let it go and release it. Mm -hmm. So those are a few few of the tools. I love that. And I think, um, so we teach our group how to do something called mind dumping and time blocking. So you wake up, get everything out after you do your daily spiritual practice, whatever that is, um, walking, you know, meditating, praying, whatever that is, journaling, mind dump. So get everything out on a piece of paper that you have to do that day. Or that's just like in your brain. Like I have so many like to-do lists and all these different projects. It's just getting it all out on a sheet of paper, two sheets of paper, and then putting it in the time block. And then around that, making sure checking in, like, where's my self-care in here? Where is my joy in here? Where is my fun in here? So I love those strategies. They're everything. They're everything. Okay. So you also said you're talking about how to be more emotionally aware. Can you share about that? Yeah. You know, as someone that didn't used to feel, (laughs) I like love this topic so much because I absolutely was one of those people that squelched or numbed or projected. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, And a lot of us live that way until we wake up to the fact that we actually can feel our emotions. We can feel our feelings in the moment, let them be present with us and experience them 
and then let them go, right? So one of the tools I love for this, and I, I practice this often, and I don't always get it 100% because I'm human, but you know, when I can remember to use this tool, it really is transformative. So when I feel something coming on that I typically wouldn't want to feel, so anger, for example, resentment, you know, I, those are, those are two that have come up for me quite a bit in my journey. So when I feel one of those, I acknowledge it. So within my own heart space, head space, whatever you want to call it, I will acknowledge anger. I know you're here. I see you. I feel you. Thanks for being here. I know you have a lesson for me. And then I say to it, I choose not to react to you. I'll let you be with me, but I choose to honor myself anyways. There is something about the way that you speak to yourself in words and that way and that compassionate, kind way. Choose whatever words you want. Like it always, I, you know, I talk to myself in different, you know, language here and there because it's not necessarily the words as much as it is the intention behind it to just be present. And I don't know if anyone here, they probably know Jill Bolte-Taylor, Stroke of Insight. Mm-hmm, that maybe. The, there's a TED Talk in a book, but she's amazing because she actually explains from a neuroscientist perspective that emotion only lasts 90 seconds if you allow it to be. So be present with your emotions, feel them. That's how you become more emotionally aware because as something comes in, rather than shoving it down, shove it and hide it and try to get rid of it, which only makes life way harder, you know, whether it's right then or it's later, it's going to be harder. Um, We can feel them. And we can allow them to just be present. How do you teach someone in the workplace to do that? If you're in the middle of a meeting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, breathing can be really helpful for that. So uh, I love visualization. So yes, in a meeting, it might be hard to visualize something, but you can train yourself to do this. Uh, So when you feel nervous or anxious or what have you, you can picture, for example, a ball of white light in front of you. So whether it's in your mind's eye or it's on the top of your head, and as you breathe in, bring it all the way down into the belly, what happens when we are in those anxious moments or those negative emotional moments, we breathe really shallow. Right. And so we're only, you know, from the chest and that does not serve us in any way, shape or form. So bring the breath all the way down to the belly and then bring it all the way back up and through the top of the head. And if you picture it as this light or whatever resonates with you, just picture something that you're moving all the way down and all the way back up. And to me, not only is that more, uh, it's very relaxing, but it's very good for the central nervous system. And that is actually the science behind it. So you're calming your nerves and you're creating more space within for that emotion to move through you. One thing that I've always done too, like is if, if it's in a place that's, you know, not necessarily appropriate to have a 90, 90 second bout of emotion, I'll just be like, I love you. I see you. We'll deal with this later. Yes. Acknowledgement. Acknowledgement, but also like that it's there and that will, I will make sure that we handle it later. Yeah. yeah. Cause yeah. it's tapping for a reason. You know, that processing is so yeah. important, you know, and Unfortunately, the systems we've all been raised in, um, it wasn't our parents' fault, but they didn't have the tools Absolutely. to help us process emotion. This is nowhere in any school book. Absolutely not. And, you know, and, and in fact, like in the household I grew up in, like there was no time for emotions. And it was also like, it was just not a pleasant environment. And so no one, no one was allowed to feel. Um, and so 
most of us are like that. We've had some sort of trauma or wounds around being able to feel. And so again, it's no one's fault wherever they are. You just have to start wherever you are and move on from there and move forward. You know, I always say you don't have to be great to get started, but you have to get started to be great. And that's to do with anything in life Mm -hmm. and feeling your emotions as one of those things. Yeah. And I think that there's layers to it. So in USM, when we got a master's there, it's layers upon layers. So under anger usually is sadness. It's unfelt sadness. And a lot of times it's expressed as anger. And so there's, there's layers under every single emotion to explore deeper. Totally. And then that's when you can really release it. Like if, if someone typically is showing up angry in society, I'm like, gosh, they must be so sad. Yes. There. hundred percent. And I send them love and I'm like, gosh, I love you. Like just, I can see it. Yeah. Yeah. I so agree. Uh, so another thing that you love talking about in business, and I think this will be super relevant for this audience is growth mindset versus fixed mindset. Can you guys, can you give us an example? Of oh, that? totally. Yeah. So, um, the, I love this example because it's it's just, it almost cracks me up that I used to live this way. It, it feels so foreign to me now. But in my last role at um, CBRE in commercial real estate, when I was first there, I was very comfortable in that industry, but I was all of a sudden in a role that was a producer role and it was very different than anything I had done before. So I was essentially building a business within the larger corporate umbrella. Now I was competing internally against 60 other people, um, which was not something I had done before. So that was very foreign as well. But here's the thing that happened. I was comparing myself to everyone around me. And I was thinking, gosh, like I'm never going to make that kind of money or have those kinds of clients that are that big. And all of these things that were very, uh, they felt very permanent and they felt, uh, They felt it it was tense and it was like this contraction within me. I was small. I was getting dimmer. I was getting smaller by the day every time I would allow that kind of noise to play out in my mind. And so was that competitiveness coming from within or was it inside of the company? It was inside the company. It was definitely the culture. Um, But certainly I was... It I was, feeds on your personality. Yeah. <laughs> and I was buying into it at the time, yeah. right? Because I was living from that wounded side still. And so the um, the interesting part about that is that growth mindset versus fixed mindset. The fixed is being one of those people who's like, life is permanent and this is just what I'm supposed to do. And this is the this way is my life is. is supposed to be. This is what it is. I just am the way I am. And she's the way she is. And like that kind of outlook where it's um, your perspectives aren't allowed to shift because you're so rigid and you're so restrictive and the way that you perceive life, a growth mindset, we all are in our own movie. My movie is totally different than yours. Even though we're sitting in the same exact spot right now, the way that we perceive what's going on around us is completely different. However, we're very similar because we allow our perspectives to be open. We allow ourselves to shift and to change and to morph. And we allow life just to be. So a growth mindset is is saying to yourself, nothing is permanent. Everything is allowed to change. I am allowed to change. The world around me is allowed to change. The people in my world are allowed to change. And all of us, as long as our intentions are 
from a good place or they mean well and they are not out to harm others or ourselves, then we are stepping into our authenticity. We're stepping into our truth. We are doing good by the world and by humanity and for humanity. We are here to serve others. We are not self-serving. A lot of that is what growth mindset is. And there is there's some deep, deep topics to get into in order to help people um, not only understand, but learn how to shift into the growth mindset. But a lot of it is just waking up to way the ways that you've been living inside this shallow perspective and learning or rather unlearning what's been conditioned in your, in your mind, essentially in your ego. Beautiful. And this is so huge. There's so many entrepreneurs on the line. And I think we stop ourselves. We stop our own growth based on our fixed mindset. So everybody's fixed mindset could be, be a little different, Definitely. you know, do you, are there any common themes you hear inside of your workshops? Uh, I'm like, I can think of a few of like, just like repeating patterns of team members and things I've heard. Totally. I mean, one of the biggest, I mean, the self-serving aspect mm -hmm. is, a, is a really big one. And you see that in industries where people have really high highs and really low lows mm. in their jobs, um, you know, producer type of, of roles, like I was describing before. You see those also in uh, high stress you know, jobs and highly competitive jobs. Um, another fixed mindset, you know, is, is noise. People that allow the noise in and allow it to really control them. So they ebb and flow based on everyone around them and other people's successes or failures. So those people who feel good when others aren't doing so well, and those people who feel really bad when others, you know, are, or they, they don't feel good when others are doing better than them. Yeah. Um, that's a very fixed mindset that is controlled by the external environment. Um, also, I would say those that are, those that look at life more pessimistically, that, that tends to coincide with a fixed mindset because again, they're not seeing the value of the present moment. They're looking at the past or they're thinking about the future. Mm. And that's really like, though like, that tends to be a pessimistic outlook. Yeah. I think, um, you being in the real estate world and switching this mindset is super relevant. Like I watched you, I don't know, I don't know the past Aaron. I just know the new, the new Aaron, but I just watched you go above and beyond to build authentic relationships with people. You didn't work from a competitive space. You worked from a, everybody can win. There's more than enough to go around. So it never felt salesy. It always felt abundant. And I feel like that ties into attracting business and receiving money. Like it's a, there's an abundance mindset that is flipped with this as well. Like there's not enough to go around versus there's more than enough for everyone. <laughs> yeah. It, it's really interesting that you bring that up, Laura, because that wasn't the mindset that I had when I first started in real estate. And so as my shift was taking place and I was doing the inner work that I've, you know, described with you today, I completely saw a change in my business. For the better. For the better. I mean, the first year it felt like a struggle to get business or to try. Yeah. And it didn't feel like me either. And I've always been someone who builds relationships very easily because I just focus on the person. Yeah, you care. I just want to get to know about the person. I don't need to talk about real estate or, you know, when I was in finance or what have you, I just wanted to connect with them, you know, heart to heart. And what I realized is when I started to actually just do that again, because I had kind of lost it for a bit, when I started to just do that and I was showing up completely 
completely authentic, completely genuine, and just- In a place of service, period. In a place of service and solely that, all of a sudden business was like knocking on my door. And it was incredible because it was new relationships, it was old relationships, but all of a sudden there were, you know, monetary, you know, aspects of it at play. And it was nothing that I made happen. It didn't take force. It just started to happen because I was living and more of that, like you said, that abundant mindset. I felt more secure and confident and safe in who I was. I was showing up as that person, not as a person who was coming from lack or distraction or, or I'm I have not to get this enough. goal or I have to hit that. No, it's like, let me just be all of who I am and express my gifts and share authentically with you. And if it's not for you, then it'll be for somebody else Absolutely. that you know, mm-hmm. or we're just going to have an amazing relationship and a friendship or whatever. And that's fine. And you know what? The universe has ways of making every relationship work, whether or not we are there to serve the other person or mm-hmm. they are there to serve us. 100%. doesn't have anything to do with business. I have relationships that not in a million years did I know where they were ever going to lead. But for example, the house that my husband and I bought for our family back in April of this year, turns out the main investor in this house, which was a new development, is an attorney at a law firm in Chicago. And I happened to meet him randomly two years ago because he had dated a friend of mine years prior to that. And he sent us a glass of wine at a bar one night. Wow. And so where did I, like, did I think I was going to do business with that guy? No, but I met him. He knew my name. I knew his name. We had an hour and a half conversation. And two years later, I'm buying a house that he's invested in. I mean, so cool. The universe just makes things work. And I think the, another big fixed mindset is for people to think if I meet with someone, if I'm going to give someone my time, there needs to be some reciprocity. Mm. What's in it for me? What can that person do so for me? So lacking. So lacking. Yeah. What can that person offer me? And no, we can't look at life like that. We don't need reciprocity for anything. We just need to just be there in service. And by the way, it needs to just be open-minded, mm-hmm. you know, and clear-minded. And I don't know what I'm here to learn from this person or to give to this person, but I'll be shown the way. And that's why we get to do our work. So we can show up as complete, whole, grounded, open vessels, because then we can just show up without an agenda. I love that. Very, very, very cool. Really powerful stuff. So what else do you have going on? Tell us about um, any of the skills or the tools that you've been sharing that you feel like have been really supporting people, particularly at this time in history and what's going on in the shift. Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing has been the mental and emotional well-being, yeah. um, you know, helping people understand more how to focus on themselves in yeah. that way, uh, how to manage stress and anxiety, you know, which are really being induced by this, this environment that we're all living within right yeah. now. Uh, and, and I do that mainly within organizations. So I, like I said earlier, deliver these speaking engagements, but then I also do workshops. And so, um, those can look a little bit different depending on the size of the company, but it can be anything from consulting with teams, uh, for example, a team of emerging leaders or a team of leaders and uh, working with them on an ongoing basis to help them with things like empathy and compassion and the relationship to themselves and leading from within you know, various topics that all fall within um, this umbrella of being more mindful and being more authentic. And then I also do... 
uh, programs that I'm actually just doing my first beta in October. So So a female leadership program, and I'm doing this for 12 women. It's virtual. Of course, in the future, at some point, I would love for this to be an immersive retreat, Uh, but a five-week series that meets live virtually 90 minutes a week and then has a lot of, um, you know, introspective aspects to it as well as some group sharing and things like that. So cool. Uh, And I'll be launching that more officially in January. So we can be a part of that. So, yeah. So any, any female leaders out there that want to be a part of that, that will be open in January. Yeah. And then I am going to do a men's one because here's the deal. Like men deserve this too. Yeah. Are there a lot more sort of wounded egos out there in the in the, the the masculine? Sure, but that doesn't mean that they're not ready for this kind of growth. Totally, it doesn't mean they don't deserve personal development and and to be more introspective and to learn these tools. And so, um, I chose to launch the female one first, but the men's one we will also be launching in Jan. So 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 exciting. So I know you're also a wife and a mom. How do you bring these tools home? Like how how do you do it all? Like how do how have you done yeah, it all? Yeah. Um, so I don't do it all. That is the <laughs> biggest myth because anyone that thinks that they can do it all is lying. It's not possible. And and that is not something that came easy to me. I thought, especially I mean, going back to when I had my first child, going from zero to one child is like craziness. It is absolute, like you feel like you lose a complete portion of yourself. And all of a sudden you have this other being to take care of who like consumes you. And yet you still want to be able to be the same person that you were, but you do have to shed parts of yourself in order to, to take on motherhood. Um, and I'll be honest, like for quite some time, I actually resented motherhood and that's not something many women are very honest about, but more women than not experience this because it is such a drastic change And no one prepares us for that. No one tells us the stories of like, you're going to wake up at four in the morning when your child is four months old and you're going to be like, I don't freaking want to go feed it right now. I am so exhausted. Now, do you make yourself do it? Yes. But do you enjoy it? No. Right? So like that happens and that's okay to have those experiences. But the key thing for me was always like reminding myself, this is a part of my journey. I chose this. I'm on the right path because I know that I love my children. I know that I love myself and I just need to be more patient with myself in this process. And I remind myself of that often because anytime I get overwhelmed where I'm like, okay, like it's, I have like the job and I have the kids and I have the household and I also want to take care of myself and give myself time for, you know, meditation and my practices. I just have to be a little bit more fluid I have to step more into flow in my life. And I just have to say right now, what is the most important to me? Sure, there are responsibilities that will pull me in different directions, but I've got to get myself back to that center and what is most important to me right now. Because there's always going to be 5,000 things that need my attention, any mother's attention, anyone's attention for that matter, right? But, But especially as a mom and running my own company, and being a wife and also having and knowing the importance of taking care of myself. I have to give to myself before I can give to everybody else. I've got to fill myself up before I can fill everyone else up and take care of them. And so just always being centered or reminding myself to be patient and to get back to center 
So beautiful. So beautiful. Is there anything that you've shared or you haven't shared that you want to, or you want people to know? Oh, just know that wherever you are in your journey, you're in the exact right place. And, you know, nothing is permanent. The only thing permanent is that life evolves. And our purpose here on this planet is to evolve our own consciousness. And so taking self-responsibility to start to make that happen, it doesn't need to look like anyone else's journey. It's unique to you. It's personal. And it doesn't need to be, you know, put on blast for everyone to know, but just Go about it in your own ways and give yourself the attention that you deserve. Are there any favorite books that you've read that have supported you on your journey? Yes. Yes. There are so many, but I love this question because the top two, I always recommend to people. Um, The very first book that I read on mindfulness, I actually went into Barnes and Noble eight years ago and I found it because I found myself like in self-help and I was just like, I need help because I wanted a way to manage anxiety at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, a I lot of people on the line, by the way, we just did a talk on anxiety, really resonated with that. So if you have any tips yeah. through that, like that, even if it's that book. Yes, like- it's definitely that book. I recommend this to everyone that's dealing with anxiety because I was not someone, even though I had done therapy for years at the time, it wasn't helping because it was just a way to like vent and it wasn't really doing anything. And I had no interest in medicine. I'm just not, I'm much more on the holistic side. So I went into Barnes and Noble and found myself in self-help. And then suddenly I was like veering more towards spirituality. So somewhere in between the two of those was this book called The Buddha Walks Into a Bar by Ladra Rinsler. And it's like a bright red book. And it screamed my name. It basically threw itself off the shelf at me. And that book I've probably read 15 times. I recommend it to everyone. And it's so down to earth and easy to understand. Like, don't let the word Buddha scare you because there's like not much of that in there. But it's really just about being present with yourself and forming a relationship to yourself. Um, So that one for sure. And then The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. It, Top three all time for me too. I mean, it is. Yeah, that's another I've one. I've probably read or listened to that at least 25 times. A number of times. Absolutely. I'm not kidding you. It I'll put it on in the car so sometimes rich. just to like, yeah. Yes. That's it an is, amazing one. It is so rich. It is so enlightening. And it really, it really just helps you think about yourself in ways that you never knew were possible. Mm-hmm. It always puts me more at peace. Well, this has been so fun. Last question. What does activate mean to you? Oh man, I love this word. And it's so fitting for your podcast. Like such a great name for your podcast. You too. (laughs) You live activated. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, activate really means, um, my word evolve. Mm. Honestly, it means step up, amplify and evolve. And when I talk about evolving, I talk about our consciousness, the soul that we are, you know, igniting that fire within and being more in tune with that. And then putting it out in the world for others to learn from right. and others to see. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Erin. Where are the best places we can find you? Sure. So my website is, is a great place, Erin Coop, which is C-O-U-P-E.com. Um, also on LinkedIn, I'm very active there. And my Instagram handle is authentically EC. Yeah. LinkedIn, she kills. That's her, that's her social platform of choice. She has really good blogs on there, really rich stuff. And you have YouTube. Yeah. I am on YouTube as well. I kind of forget that I am on YouTube now. You're a new YouTuber. Yes, I am. I am. I've been doing that for like three months. And considering a podcast. So stay tuned. Yes, exactly. That's going to be a few months out, but I'm definitely on that track. So. Well, thank you for blessing this audience. I just learned a lot and I know they did too. Awesome. Thanks for having me. 
Thank you guys so much for listening. Please share this episode and DM us. We'd love to interact with you about all you learn and create from this. If you love this podcast, please go ahead and subscribe to get real-time updates when all new episodes go live. And if you can, please leave us a review. It will help us grow our community and our message to support more leaders on their growth journey. If you want to continue to hang out with me, follow me on Instagram at Laura E. Holloway and subscribe to my weekly newsletter at lauraeholloway.com for weekly downloads, blogs, upcoming workshops, events, and more. Stay aligned and make your move. I'll see you next week.